Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back. We're going to be starting up part two of our podcast. I am Drew, the technical guy, and I am joined by our wonderful host, Sarah. You, that, that you can go now. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Feel free uh, to talk. Sorry. Uh, we'll, we'll get that smoothed out in subsequent episodes. It, we're siblings. It's never going to be smooth. It, let's just accept that right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad it doesn't have any name calling in it. That, that would be... Uh, I, I appreciate you refraining because I, I know I deserve a few names being your older sister. Um, I do want to start this uh, just with one reference to our last podcast. I don't know if that's breaking podcast. Oh, yeah. Or and not. Be, be sure to listen to part one first. Otherwise, you might get a little confused. Yeah. Uh, but I did. I was trying to remember the name of an author of a book. It was called Catholic Republic. And the man's name is Timothy Gordon. Um, his, his book is good. He also has Rules for Retrogrades is another one of his books. But I just wanted to in case you were listening to that and you're like, what book was she talking about? It's called Catholic Republic and it is by Timothy Gordon. I couldn't remember the guy's first name. All right. So we were talking about uh, the new encyclical by Pope Francis that is supposedly inspired by St. Francis. And we talked in our last podcast about the fact that if you actually go to the source where the Pope gets his content about saint francis and you actually read the quotations in their full contents like most things we hear this in this day and age it isn't talking at all about what the pope is talking about saint francis had a very strong attachment to jesus christ and the fact that jesus christ is the only way to salvation whereas the pope is sort of making the argument that oh as long as we recognize these humanist virtues we should all um, be able to get along one of the things before we get continue on, um, I pulled out my Catholic dictionary, my Father Harden um, dictionary that I got. Thank you, Marian Catechist. Uh, and I wanted to read the definition of encyclical because I think there's kind of also we, we kind of made the the argument in earlier episodes that this doesn't really even seem to be an encyclical because of the fact that it's not a letter. And so I just wanted to bring up the definition of the encyclical so that you guys know that because there's a lot of times people are like oh my goodness the pope just put something out your catholic senses it's go the off new law basically yeah you're like I... wait where is this coming from i i it's how can the, the church change its mind right um and so i want to give you guys some clarity about what the church actually teaches about you know do we actually have to believe everything in the encyclical is it church teaching is it infallible meaning that it's free from error on faith and morals is this like well i think the biggest concern for everybody is hey if i you know disagree with things in here am i immediately going to hell yes that's that, that, i'm guessing that's what everybody that, that that would that's what i'm thinking right now so right because you you don't as catholics we're like yeah we're behind the pope but wait a second this doesn't seem like the pope is behind jesus this this seems like it could be a problem so i'm just going to read the definition of encyclical uh and this like i said father harden um, compliments of the marian catechist Encyclical, a papal document treating of matter related to the general welfare of the church. Okay, so I think there is an argument. Okay, sorry, that was the end of my quotation there for just a quick moment. I don't, I think that the argument could easily be made that this is not topic wise a topic of an encyclical because of the fact that it is not about the church. It seems like it's about the world and not the church's role in the world, but rather just the world as world. So it doesn't seem like it is there. But let's continue with the definition. So, quote, sent by the Pope to the bishops. And we talked about, okay, end quote. We talked about the fact that this letter isn't really a letter because it has no addressee. It's not to the bishops. 
And as we read in this next section that we're going to cover today of the encyclical, we're going to see that it's not even directed towards Catholics, but rather to all people of goodwill. Continuing on with the definition. Used especially in modern times to express the mind of the Pope to the people. Although of themselves not infallible documents, encyclicals may and generally do contain pronouncements on faith and morals that are de facto infallible because they express the ordinary teaching of the church. In any case, the faithful are to give the papal encyclicals their interior assent and external respect as statements of the vicar of Christ. That is why um, the question of is this actually an encyclical or not is very important because some of the things that are in it don't seem to correlate to the 2,000 years of traditional Catholic teaching. So the question is, are we bound to this? And if this, if this document that comes out from the Pope is in disagreement with, you know, other church teaching, which there's actually um, seems to be the case with Augustine, like which one is true, what the church has believed forever or what the new pontiff is saying. Um, and it's totally reasonable for Catholics to be confused and to wonder, gosh, what <laughs> what's going to be the state of my soul, depending on how I receive this, because it, it's a question of right or wrong. So then continuing on with the definition, an encyclical epistle is like an encyclical letter, but addressed to a part of the church that, and that doesn't really relate um, actually at all to us. So let's just stop there. But the, the idea that it's a letter to the bishops, which this is not, which means it doesn't seem like it's an encyclical and that it isn't necessarily infallible, even though there are elements of encyclicals in the past that have been just part of the ordinary teaching of the church, which would be infallible. So uh, just, you know, th this is really just us discussing that we got something new from the Pope. Um, it seems novel in what it's teaching, and um, it seems like it has a lot of um, interesting elements in it. So we left off with the end of part four and kind of complained last time, I guess, about the fact that poor St. Francis gets so misrepresented as this, you know, nature-loving hippie, and the Pope seems to be promoting that in this new encyclical and not focusing on the fact that he was a an intense follower of Christ who wanted to be martyred for Christ, who wanted to preach the gospel and convert people to the religion of Christ, not just to have, um, you know, kind of this, this fake idea, oh, we all believe the same thing. So let's move on to number five, or paragraph five. Issues of human fraternity and social friendship have always been a concern of mine. This is the quote from the Pope. In recent years, I have spoken of them repeatedly and in different settings. In this encyclical, okay, so the Pope himself calls this an encyclical. It's called an encyclical in the title. It's listed as an encyclical on the Papal website. Um, I have sought to bring together many of those statements and to situate them in a broader context of reflection. In the preparation of Laudato Si, which is his earlier encyclical, I had a source of inspiration in my brother Bartholomew, the Orthodox Patriarch, who has spoken forcefully of our need to care for creation. So in, can we, what is the Orthodox patriarch? Oh, um, Orthodox is, uh, okay, so Orthodox is, means. Is that, is that a branch of Catholicism or is that something totally not us? No, great question. Uh, the Orthodox church is what we call, uh, they're in schism. They are not 
Catholic. They're not part of the Catholic Church. However, unlike the Protestant churches that broke off from the Catholic Church, the Orthodox churches still have valid sacraments. So the Protestant churches left and they gave up most of the sacraments except baptism, which you don't need a priest in order to give uh, to administer. The Orthodox churches kept their line of succession from the apostles. So they still have valid ordinations. They still have valid sacraments, meaning that the priests actually still have the power to do things because they are, um, they are, uh, descendants of they got the Jesus power. They have the Jesus power. All right. They've, uh, because of the fact that they are, um, in a line of succession from the apostles. So it's close enough that it would be acceptable for the Pope to consult somebody on something. Well, like see, this? here's where the issue is. The dot, the fact, the reason that they're schismatic is because they have rejected the authority of the, ch- of the church. So they do not believe in this, in the Roman pontiff. Which actually seems kind of weird that the Pope would use a patri- or an Orthodox patriarch as his well, as his inspiration. And it's kind of weird that the Orthodox patriarch would go along with it because <laughs> the whole deal of their schism is that they don't want to listen to the Pope. Why would they listen to him for this? Or why would they consult him for this? Right. Um, and now that being said, obviously they the Church has we have had outreaches to this to the schism. I think the schism occurred in um, I want to say. 1256 no 1056 now is this the this is what you'd hear as the eastern orthodox yeah well there's different types there's the russian orthodox there's the greek orthodox there's the eastern orthodox um there's several other orthodox so but anytime you see orthodox just know that their their sacraments are valid but they're not licit meaning jesus is there because he promised he would be anytime the church did these things happy about it but he's not happy about it because it's not legal so um and but the church does teach that in situations where you cannot get to a Catholic mass, like so if you're in Russia and all there are no Catholic masses anywhere, available. you could go to an Orthodox um, just to receive the sacraments. But if there's a Catholic church available, you have to attend and the that, Catholic church. And that's church. mainly for us to keep our, our Holy Day of Obligation requirement, right? Um, It would be it's, any it's, of the sacraments. It's, a, it's an effort to... to to avoid sin, I guess, right? Yeah, and it, well, and it, the sacraments are access to Jesus, so we want that grace anyway. regardless. So, if you're in a place where there is, you have no access to a Catholic mass, uh, you could go to an Orthodox mass every day. That would not be a problem. It's it's just the question. It's just the problem is, and you can't go there because of the fact that they're Orthodox. That's the other thing you have to recognize. I'm I'm going here to to access Jesus, but I don't align myself with what you're believing. Okay. Um, the church has, but there are rules, but yeah, so, but Orthodox is not, is not Catholic per se, but they're closer to Catholics than the Protestants. And they also, like I said, different popes throughout history have tried to reconcile us with the, with the Eastern Orthodox, because it would be, we have Eastern churches that are Catholic. It would be easy enough in a Mm -hmm. sense for them to rejoin. All they have to do is, is change their view on um, the, the supremacy of Peter. Um, but like, cause they still, they honor the blessed mother like Catholics do and things like that. So, gotcha. um, but yeah, I do agree that, it, but I think, I don't even think it's so interesting that it's Orthodox that's, that he uses. It's the fact that why doesn't he pull from church history? Like yeah, I mean, if it, we've if got 2000 years if if of people it's... thinking about these things, why go with contemporaries? Cause that, that's the other issue. So in and why go with non-Catholics? So, and this is going to be a bigger point when I read the next sentence, which is in this case. So, this was his last encyclical that he he um, 
the source of his inspiration was Brother Bartholomew. I, I thought the source of inspiration for these Catholic teachings were supposed to be Jesus Christ. But uh, yeah, I was about to say, like, isn't the whole the deal gospel, like, you're inspired the by the Trinity. Holy Spirit or God? I mean, that's almost where the books of the Bible were written, right? Yeah. All of them? Uh, yeah. Just, you would think that would be a better source. Um, but it doesn't. from the horse's mouth. <laughs> yeah. You'd, you'd probably get a better crack at truth. All right. So anyway, continuing on. In this case, I have felt particularly encouraged by the Grand Imam Ahmad al-Tayyib, with whom I met in Abu Dhabi. I did not pronounce that correctly, did I? Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. <laughs> I put my accent on The only on thing I know about Abu Dhabi, I think, is that their police force has, like, Lamborghinis or something like that. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure that's Abu Dhabi. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Dubai. Oh, you are thinking, I'm of, thinking Dubai. of Dubai. Never mind, not Abu Dhabi. So you know nothing about it other it, than how to pronounce it. One of those, it. you know, funny, like, it's, the, it's, you know, it's one of those names when you start saying it, your tr- furniture starts floating. Abu Dhabi. You've never seen that? No, I've never seen that. Oh, it's fun. It's a fun internet joke. Ah, got it. Ah, boomers. Sorry. I'm not a boomer. Dude, I am an upper millennial. I am a millennial. I'm just on the upper end. I'm very proud of that. I'm a free spirit and disorganized and do things in my parents' basement. Actually, I'm in my own basement. You go do that. I'm going to go have a Tide Pod (laughs) while you're talking. (laughs) Just don't make sure you don't swallow it. Okay. Uh, Where were we? Um, ah. So we had just gotten done talking about Abu Dhabi. Yes. Where we declared that God has created all human beings equal in rights, duties, and dignity, and has called them to live together as brothers and sisters. The Catholic Church has 2,000 years of discussion and contemplation and truth-seeking regarding well, like, the I human thought, like, person. That's like the first thing you learn in... Who made me? God made me. Is that got me. So, like, why does he need to, you know, fact check that against some dude in Abu Dhabi? Right. Well, my well, and it, well, the he, Grand he Imam, I believe, is a, is the head of another religion. So he's citing document on human fraternity for world peace and living together. Yeah, but my question is, why is why not use sources of why not use the sources of the church if this is really designed to give teachings to the Catholics? Why are we going outside our own tradition in order to to come up with what we're believing? The other issue I have is equal in rights, duties, and dignity. If we don't believe, um, if we don't agree on the Jesus issue, where does that human dignity come from? <laughs> because if you're an atheist, we're just, you know, meat puppets. There's no dignity in that. There's nothing really different. But because of the fact that we understand ourselves to be both body and soul created in the image and likeness of God, um, that we can, it's, that's the reason why we can have, um, dignity and our rights are given by God. If you deny God, you no longer have rights, but duties. I don't think that we are equal in duties. I think that's a kind of a dumb thing to say because I look at my sister who has two children. She has the duties of motherhood that I, as a single person don't have my duties as you know, within, you know, just women and men have different duties. If you believe in genders, which you know, if you believe in science, you should. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like the the idea that the idea that we all have equal duties is is ridiculous. We all have a duty to fulfill our duties, and we all have the rights necessary to fulfill those duties given by God. But the idea that all of our duties are exactly the same doesn't really make any sense to me. Why he would say that. Um, I would encourage people to actually look at that document. It looks like it. I, I, 
it's a it's also on the Vatican site. Yeah. Um, but it looks like Pope Francis is just quoting himself. That I was wondering that. I, it's kind of hard to tell based off the document. I would I'd strongly have you guys at least take a look at it and kind of skim through it. But it looks like he's he's quoting himself, and so it's like, why do you need to quote yourself? Like, why do you, why do you need any of this? Just quote the, the best selling book in the history of humanity, the Bible. Just <laughs> just quote that. Oh look, I'm done. One book. Look, the citing would be so the bibliography would be so easy. Right. Well, you could also quote St. Thomas Aquinas. I mean, yeah, yeah, but it's like, yeah, it's weird. It's it's it seems like he's trying to pander to maybe non-believers. Right, which I think is where which, we get to this whole thing, which is it's an invitation to dialogue among all people of goodwill. It's not designed to be give, written to Catholics. It's these other people. So he can't use Catholic sources as though it's specific to Catholicism. But, dude, he's the head of it, our it, church. Like, yeah, he's supposed like he, to be. He's the leader of the Catholic church. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Anyway, um, this was no mere diplomatic gesture, but a reflection born of dialogue and common commitment. I feel like he uses a lot of words that kind well, of mean nothing. This was no mere diplomatic gesture. Just looking at that document, it looks very diplomatic, and they both signed it, as far as I can tell. It, it's exactly the so definition of a diplomatic a gesture. Diplomatic agreement. Yeah, but here's or a the just yeah, like it just yeah it. So, but what it's a diplomatic gesture, but a reflection. I mean, a reflection still isn't an action. You still don't have. I mean, and even here, it's like, what is what exactly are the, um, what exactly are the points that, like, what I, don't, I guess I feel like reflection is, may as well just be a gesture. If it's not going to lead to action. Yeah, well, if the fact that he has to specifically say, this is not a gesture, <laughs> makes me think that it's a gesture. The lady doth protest too much, yes. he thinks. Yes. <laughs> the Shakespeare thing. Yep. Uh, the present encyclical takes up and develops some of the great themes raised in the document that we both signed. I have also incorporated, along with my own thoughts, a number of letters, documents, and considerations that I have received from many individuals and groups throughout the world. Once again, we're all on the level of contemporary. If this is really a, a continuation of church teaching, build on this, you know, what you is got, it? The line. Stand so on the shoulders of the giants that lived before you yeah. in order to come up with it. Um, all right. The following pages, this is par paragraph six. The following pages do not claim to offer a complete teaching on fraternal love. Um I think that's interesting. So again, it's what does the, that the mean? The lady doth protesteth too much. What is is? I feel like the fact that he points out that it's not complete teaching is that that he's going to come out with more, but it is teaching. I don't. I guess I feel like that's a little. It, 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 it would feels be nice like for a very him to legal say. term. Like it's like allegedly. This document allegedly explains <laughs> everything. It, it allegedly does not offer a complete it, teaching. But it, it may does, or may not possibly get you to a place that may or may not potentially allegedly exist. Yeah, I do think that Pope Francis does believe in the doctrine of infallibility because he, I feel like, is very careful to make things ambiguous so that he isn't teaching, isn't teach, isn't trying to infallibly teach something uh, that is contrary to what God, what is true. Because yeah, God right. said he'll protect us, which means one of three things are going to have, I mean, one of a couple options we've got. The Pope randomly dies, like God will strike him dead with lightning if he tries to teach something that isn't true. Uh, he will be like Virgilius, uh, which was one of our popes um, from from uh, the 300s, I think he was. <laughs> Not the greatest. Uh, was that the one that killed? 
Yeah, he he he, cap he had he had a a political um benefactress who gave him soldiers. He yeah he captured the pope Spain or something at the time. Uh, no, it was uh, Constantinople, so it was the Byzantine Empire. Oh, okay. But yeah, so he, um, he, I think he arrested and let one of his predecessors rot in jail, and then he was hoping to be elected the next time. They didn't elect him. I think he outright had the guy killed, and then they finally are like, "Dude, whoever, nobody else wants to be pope because whoever's going to be pope gonna is going to get, get killed." <laughs> and the whole point of this was that he was supposed to profess Arianism, which is a heresy. Um, that says that Jesus is not God, that he is, well, that or was sorry, like a, yeah, the, that he is not God of the Trinity, wasn't it? Yeah. And there, so it's fundamental. Like no, yeah. It was fundamental to the, it was fundamental to the church. Like Jesus is God. That's why we believe what we believe. If Jesus isn't God, then the whole faith falls apart because the whole essence is that God became man. And so the Arians denied that there was a political uh, Empress Theodosia. I think it was not to be confused with St. Theodosia, which I think is another one. Uh, but the, but yeah, so she basically gave him soldiers so that he could go become Pope and declare that Jesus was not really God. He was like this demigod superhero kind of character. He became Pope, wrote, ended up writing her a letter saying, I'm very sorry, I can't do it. And um, he was the next person. It's to nice. Be I mean, as, as terrible as, you know, we lost a couple of popes and it, 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 God still draws straight with crooked lines. He like, always he, does. That is incredible. It's an incredible story to be like, this guy was like, we're, it would look bad. But he got there, and now it's like, can't do it. Sorry. I don't know. Like, there's just some more divine power that's keeping me from preaching heresy. Yeah. Well, and it's not like we've actually had popes. I believe it's Honorius the third. Don't I? Maybe, don't quote maybe me on that one. I need to go fact check. I need, I need to fact check myself on that one. But one of the popes actually was condemned by subsequent popes. So I don't think it's a... Um, it's not, like, unheard of for popes to be led astray in non-official teaching. Um, obviously there were bishops also at the time who were teaching Arianism and, uh, that was condemned. So the, the idea that we would have a Pope who makes mistakes is, is not part. I mean, that doesn't destroy the idea of the, of the, um, the idea of infallibility. I mean, they're still human, right? They are they still on human. They of Peter, but they, yeah. they're still, they, yeah. And the thing is, is there's kind of a strict definition for infallibly, um, uh, infallibly taught is different than infallibly defined and it, there's a there there are strict definitions and so a lot of things don't necessarily fall into um into infallibly it the things that are just brought up for the first time are not necessarily you know don't fall under being un, infallibly taught and things that are you know if they're infallibly defined are gonna it's got to be very carefully worded um and i think the pope does a good job of sort of not circle back to where we're <laughs> back on track back on track not be, being kind of ambiguous about what this what what our duty is to believe from some of his documents. Uh, okay. So rather than consider its universal scope, it's openness to every man and woman. I offer this social encyclical. That's the other question. What the heck is a social encyclical? Um, an, an encyclical by definition is a letter and letters by definition are kind of social because they use, you know, their I, communication. I hear the word social nowadays. And I just think of uh, social, was it social, Justice warriors. No, well, social justice warriors. No, it's um, democratic socialism. Oh, That's socialism. What That's what I think of when I hear that. Yeah. Um. Okay. As a modest contribution to continued reflection. That's the other thing. It doesn't seem like he's set on things. It's just, oh, this is reflection. Um. In the hope that the face of present day attempts to eliminate or ignore others, 
we may prove capable of responding with a new vision of fraternity and social friendship that will not remain at the level of words, which is funny. So basically he's saying, I'm writing these words, hoping that we will have more than just words. Um, I, I still think that's kind of seems. It just sounds wishy-washy. That's it the does. only word, I, you know, like the phrase I can think of is just wishy-washy. Like he's saying a bunch of stuff, but it's just. I wish he I get would, done reading it. And I'm like, wait, what? what did he just say? I wish he would give specific examples. What the heck? When he says attempts to eliminate or ignore others, I wish he would say, for example, this is what I'm talking about. Because it, the fact that he's so ambiguous about it and not giving specific examples, the first thing if you want to actually fix something is to diagnose what it is actually that you're fixing or what you're trying to like. You have to diagnose this is what's wrong and this is how you fix it. And I feel like this idea attempts to eliminate or ignore others that just seems vague i have no idea what it is we're doing wrong the other issue i have elimination of persons guess what word is not once mentioned in this little document well this big document it's you know 43,000 words abortion which is the number one eliminator of human beings in the world right now not in there so i don't like I, I don't really know what he's talking about. What, you know. Yeah, that would have been a good, like, point to bring up in that is that, hey, like, Let's... when I when I say, hey, don't, the elimination of, don't eliminate or ignore others, but let's not ignore the fact that we kill how many thousands, hundreds, millions of babies every year. Yeah, the United States alone almost. kills a million a year. It's so just worldwide. Like that that would have been that. a good, you know, quick thing to just get in there. Yeah, because it's like this is the preface. This is this is like, this is the kind of the intro to what he's going to talk about. You need to like people are going to be like, I don't know if I want to bother reading this because I I barely understand the preface. How am I going to understand the meat and potatoes that are listed later in these chapters? Right, because part of the thing with writing is that you're supposed to it get catch the reader's attention by saying, okay, this is a problem. So, you know, bad drinking water, whatever it is, whatever it is you're going to talk about. I hope it's not about bad drinking water. Get the red pen out and start marking down the paper. <laughs> I am giving the Pope run on. <laughs> uh, I did notice that this translation citation was wrong. The fact that the Pope used the word color means that we have uh, British spelling because it's oh yeah, he says color. You are. Um, so obviously it's not an American translation, but, um, that being said, and I, it is hard for us because of the fact that we are Americans and America right now has just a supercharged political climate, all these things. We got supercharged everything. Well, we do, but right now we're kind of running into the problem where we have like everything that is actually political is not allowed to be talked about and everything that should not be political is being politicized. And so it's really kind of a frustrating, once again, we flipped everything around. And the problem also, I think is. I will admit, I'm a little biased against this pope because of the fact that he has made comments to let us know which side of the American fight he's on. And he doesn't so, like this side. And he doesn't agree with us. Um, God agrees with us, but the, the pope doesn't. And I think it's unfortunate because it does it does kind of lean me towards well, it not trust. It, it, when, when this document came out, my first instinct was... I don't trust what's going to come out of this. So I was really relieved to see, oh, it's not addressed to the bishops. It's not really maybe an encyclical. It's not written in Latin. That's, you know, like there are things that cue me into the fact that this isn't as official as it originally sounds, um, which actually makes me feel a lot better because, you know, like all Catholics, we want to do what's right. We want to follow Jesus Christ and we want to follow him in his Catholic church. And sometimes church politics make it difficult to figure out how to exactly to go about doing that okay um my favorite line 
out of the preface is in this paragraph seven. Um, and it says, as I was writing this letter, this is the Pope, the COVID-19 pandemic unexpectedly erupting, exposing our false insecurities. False securities. Our false, oh, securities. Sorry. Uh, that page is, this is, the, is that the, page? I, <laughs> that's I can, the word that's I, missing I love, on my edition. I love talking about COVID. I can read this. Um, um, what? the heck is what does that mean our false security like i could see a group of atheists saying yeah okay but for the catholics if this covid has done anything it has brought us us to the rosary it has brought us to the sacraments because we were you know personally i was sitting outside our i knew mass was going on at 4 30 on saturday afternoon I left work and knelt outside the building because I knew at least the holy sacrifice of the mass was going on. It was nice to have it hard to get to the sacraments because it was like, I don't know, I felt like it was something um, treasured. And I know of people who snuck into churches because they knew mass was going on and just hid in different parts because they wanted to be there present. Like, well, it, it just, it, it brought it us really, closer to yeah, God. It, it made it tough. And I think Catholicism just in general strives on hardship. I think anything does. I think you saw a huge boom in the Catholic history during the persecution. Yeah. Like, man, it's like, I get to die if I believe this? All right, sign me. Where do, like, we can't sign up fast enough for Catholicism once, like, death is on the line. It's it's incredible. And I think, if anything, so I, one, I think that because of the way he's wording this, it sounds, it's really not for us. It's for people it who don't believe because those people would have false securities. We're like, yep, we're going to die. We're, Jesus as long is as we're our doing the rock. right things and we're following all the rules. Yeah, we're when, gonna go to heaven. It, we're we're set. But for atheists, it's like, oh crap, I'm gonna die. I, there's nothing after this. I'm just gonna live as long as possible because reasons, and they don't really have a ton. And I feel like it's like, yeah, this is definitely not directed at us with with that statement. Right. Um. For the record, um, we don't know that we're going to heaven, but we hope. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that if we love God and 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 uh, I'm being optimistic here. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's not just sound a little Protestant. Uh, we hope for heaven, but I, I think you're absolutely right in that, um, in that the, I just thought what a, what a, well, and the fact that he doesn't remind us that Christ is our rock and that we as Catholics don't have to have false securities. We can simply this trust should in just God. Be like, this is just another, you know, it's a drill. Like, yeah. This is like, Hey, in case and you forgot. Here's the thing too. It's not like the universe. I mean, okay. Not universe. It's not like our planet has not had massive illnesses before, before. Yeah. like it's i i just feel like it, it i don't know it's an interesting thing the, yeah so we can probably keep reading here um aside from the different ways that various countries responded to the crisis their inability to work together became quite evident for all our hyperconnectivity, we witnessed a fragmentation that made it more difficult to resolve problems that affect us all Anyone who thinks that the only lesson to be learned was the need to improve what we were already doing or to refine existing systems and regulations is denying reality. So I have, there's a lot there. Yeah, Um, there is. Apart from, once again, give us specifics. What exactly wasn't happening? Every country was, they shut their borders because, I mean, we were all shut in our houses. Like that was the whole plan was, okay, we're going to just cut off connectivity in order to stop the spread of the virus. So I don't, is that what he was talking about? Like, I mean, I totally would have been all for not locking, locking down. down, but yeah. the borders, lock down the borders of your country. Like that, does, that makes sense. Well, and it, what's funny, I, the only piece of this that I would say is a little, so um, the inability to work together. I would say there is one, there is one example of the world's inability to work together. And that's that the, the wonderful country, the wonderful 
uh, Chai Kam. China. China. The wonderful country that, you know, produced this virus. And there's been research that indicate that America kind of funded it a little bit. And that was the previous administration. That's a can of worms we don't have to open right now. But basically, they they had this. And they didn't, you know, like, you know, you don't have to fix it. You don't have to find a cure. You don't, Like, if if, if, it, if there's an outbreak, there's an outbreak. Things happen. Yep. But to try to cover it up and not tell the rest of the world about it. Right. Like, that is the definition of not working together. That right. Is, that is irresponsible. We do not care about anybody else but ourselves. And we're just going to keep denying, denying, lying. We're going to fake our numbers. We're going to, we're just not going to, we're not going to be helpful. We're going to request stuff and not actually help. You know, they didn't, they took masks from us and didn't give any back. They, they, I believe, um, and I think there's an article that backs this up, but I think France it was. One of the European countries sent China masks, mm-hmm. and China didn't use them and then sold them back to France. Uh, yeah, I did not see that article. I, can't. I, be- I believe that happened. We could probably check that out. But but, but basically, the we'll, point is— We'll find like, it for the next podcast. Th- would it surprise you if China did something like that? No. It surprise me. It wouldn't. And I do just think even just the, fact, the lack of knowledge. Knowledge is a common good. It does not hurt— the Americas or the Europe or um, Africa or Australia, it does not hurt those other countries to have the knowledge that China had. China didn't lose anything by sharing that unless they were trying to be authoritarian and controlling, mm-hmm. which being their communist government, I would say they are. So, but yeah, but I have a feeling the Pope isn't talking about that. I think and he's part talking about, yeah, I think he's talking about the fact that America locked down, like we yeah. closed our borders off right away. Yes. And it's not like we didn't try to help other countries. We're just like, it It does no one, if this is serious and we're all going to die, it does nobody any good if all the country, like if there's yeah. no, con- if there's nobody left to try to figure this out. So if, if we lock down our borders and just say, hey, nobody come in, yep. we'll start doing science stuff and figure out a cure and stuff like that. Like there have to be people alive. So it's like, yeah. It's one well, of those. It's it's, not, it's an unfair statement to make. It is an un- if if he's talking about the United States, yes. which I think is an if. Um, it does definitely. It it is um, it is unfair, and it is also true that in order to fix it, the United States just had we we basically put our scientists on it, and once we find a cure, we'll we'll make we'll it avi- it'll be a mail- it, yeah. made available to the rest of the world, probably at a cost lower to the rest of the world than it, it is to us. Um, that is how the United States operates. So it's we're not being selfish by saying we're going to figure this out. Uh, yeah, totally not at all. The other issue though that. So it almost and this is probably because we're being inundated with Black Lives Matter at the moment. But anyone who thinks that the only lesson to be learned was the need to improve what we already have or to refine existing systems. Right. Is denying reality. We have to have fundamental change of world systems. Tear all of it down. Okay, he didn't say that, but he didn't say that. But (laughs) I feel like that's what he wanted to say. I don't know. I don't know what the Pope was thinking. All I know is that that seems to be something that is being like, echoed here in the United States in a very dangerous way because it literally is burning down it's, our city. It's it's just frustrating because this is, you know, this is the perfect opportunity. And and it, well, the thing, too, with the timing of this, I guess I don't know exactly when he wrote this particular paragraph. This probably was at the beginning. He could have written this months ago, back when the information wasn't super Well, no, available. he added it in there. But but here's the thing. He put it out on the 3rd. He should have, you know, he, he could would have, have edited time it. time to, to revise it. But my thing is, this would have been the perfect opportunity for somebody to be like, well, I guess if he was writing this to Catholics specifically, which we're pretty sure he wasn't at this point. Yeah. Um, This would be the perfect opportunity to say, you know, God is testing us with this pandemic. Have you been going to church? Have you been receiving the sacraments? Have you been, like, that is the perfect thing to say, like, hey, and, and, you know, it sounds a little bit like, you yes. know, uh, 
thunder and lightning wrath of god e if you say it like that but basically it's like this is the time like this is a reminder god's just given us a quick little reminder like hey yeah yeah you haven't been to church I've yeah. only seen you on Christmas and I know you, I, I know you're free. Like uh, it's one of those things where like that, yeah. that would have been the perfect opportunity to do that. But instead he kind of just says yeah. all of the countries stink and no one handled this well. Like seriously, I, it just, yeah. It just you don't, you don't, like yeah. Statement. Well, the other thing too is, you know, what would have really been helpful a, a document from the church on how to administer sacraments during this, during this pandemic, how to make sure that the people are able to grow in their faith in a time like this. Yeah, how to just, what yeah, you, the role of the church, church should be against the government when the government is trying to keep churches and synagogues shut down that i mean even if you wanted to go from an ecumenical angle on it how can the jews and the christians and the protestants and the catholics and you know we'll throw the muslims in it's there like, yeah, just how for can good you measure continue to uh, worship how can we fight for religious like freedom against these government i mean that would have been that would have been uh, that would have been a great document that actually would have been useful and it could have been directed at Catholics. Uh, once again, though, presuming that it actually said, oh, well, you know, let's give up the sacraments right now. But anyway, that's and I don't know. It's so hard because I definitely am reading this through the lens of an American. I don't really know how well, to turn and that I off. Think that as, as bad as it is to read through the lens of an American. Americans are going to read. It's in English. We're reading yeah. it right now. There are so Catholics it's, it's in America. Those, there are, there's a lot of Catholic. Well. Maybe there's a lot. <laughs> it depends how you define Catholics. Yes. But the thing is, it's like when you, you are, you are the leader of a church of multiple nations. You need to try to, you need to write something that will, you need to know your market. Really. Yeah. You need to understand who your people are and understand how to communicate with them. And I think this is just another, ins the, re the reason I think we're having trouble reading this is because it wasn't directed at us. Right. And not just like Americans, Catholics. I think if we were Catholic, like if he was directing it at Catholics and he used more Catholic terms and ideas, I think we wouldn't have as many bad things to say. I think the problem is that this was a very, uh, the word you would use, ecumenistic, uh, yeah. ecumenism ecumenical. Uh, ecumenical, there we go. An ecumenical way of writing this, it just it just feels wishy-washy and it just doesn't relate to us. So we have, we're more critical of it because we have nothing, we have nothing to latch onto, nothing. There's no firm foundation in this that we can say, yep, we believe that, that I'm confident we believe that, that's something that I'll get behind. This just feels very like fabricy and clocky and, and weak. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is if you even compare it to the encyclicals of previous popes that were filled with doctrine, that were filled with teachings, that were filled with you know we've Pope John Paul II was a philosopher. That would be interesting. Benedict the Sixteenth was a was a professor. Like there was an element of like worthwhileness in reading their things and things to be discussed and i just feel like this sounds to me it sounds to me like any type of fluff piece that you would read it, and granted we're only seven paragraphs in yes i i, I do know that hopefully well by the time we get i mean we'll find stuff i'm sure as we go through it'd be interesting though when we're done reviewing this whole thing to maybe go back and look at a different popes um i think personally pius the ninth would be kind of fun to check out but that's just me I actually think doing like um, rare rarum Navarum or Santissimus Annus, which are on communism, um, would be actually super interesting. I cannot. Santissimus Annus was written by JP two. I do not remember who wrote rarum Navarum. I feel like it's a Leo, but I I can't remember. But those are on communism. Those would be interesting. I offhand don't know any any encyclical written by Pius the Ninth. That's who you said nine. Mm -hmm. I think he had some good ones. I'm pretty sure. No, I'm sure I, he did I, I a lot of Pius. Yeah, one of if it's a Pius, it's probably got to be pretty good. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, <laughs> that statement. was wasn't a blanket statement. Um, 
I don't think any of the Piuses have been condemned, I guess. So I, I think we can maybe endorse all the Pope Piuses. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I do know that I really like Pius X. He's uh, Beppe Sarto. Nine and ten are very good. The, the Farm Boy Who Became Pope is one of my favorite books growing up. So um, anyway. So we're on the, the last paragraph. We're here, on the last paragraph. Because we're, we're getting close on time. Yes. Um, so let's read through this real quick. I can read through it. Okay. Um, it is my desire that in this our time, by acknowledging the dignity of each human person, we can contribute to the rebirth of a universal universal aspiration to fraternity. There's that fraternity word again. Yeah. Um, fraternity between all men and women. It should be among. Sorry. Between. Oh, yeah. It should be among. Get the red pen out. And <laughs> the teacher in me in. wants we'll, uh, to we'll fix We'll print this grammar. off and mail it back to him when we're done. It's okay. It was written originally in Spanish. Maybe they Maybe just, the, the translator was bad. It's interesting, though. They say fraternity between all men and women. I know. They should, it should say just fraternity be between men and then a sorority between women, women, right? Yes. Um, and then here's a quote. Here we have a splendid secret that shows us how to dream and to turn our life into a wonderful adventure. No one can face life in isolation. We need a community that supports and helps us in which we can help one another to keep looking ahead. How important is it to dream together? By ourselves, we risk seeing mirages, things that are not there. Dreams, on the other hand, are built together. Okay, dreams Did by definition are not like things. <laughs> I'm sorry. You cannot compare dreams to mirages and have dreams be the real thing. Reality is the real thing. Being awake is the real thing. That is the dumbest line I've ever heard. What is this? Is a footnoted thing. What is it? I feel address like... at the ecumenical and interreligious <laughs> meeting with young people. He quoted himself on that one. Did he? Is I think so. Again? I'm pretty quote, sure that's himself. Is this one of those? Because he quoted what? He quoted St. Francis po quoting St. Peter. Yeah. He didn't quote like himself quoting Walt Disney, did he? Because man, oh. that just I look at that and I think Walt Disney. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, the dreams. dreams. <laughs> but here's the thing: dreams are not, they're nothingness. They're just ideas. Once again. The mirages versus dreams. That's nonsense. It's it's fluffy, utter nonsense. Um, let us dream then as a single human family. Dreams also have the unique thing that they are given to one person because when we are sleeping, we are all by ourselves in our dreams. Uh, I know he's been using the word dream to mean like, you know, kind like a weak goal. But even then, also, not an issue, not like, why not have goals? Why not have accomplishments? Do things, don't, anyway. Dream is one of those words in modern society that I think the true definition of it's been skewed and it's just one of those, it's just one of those words. It's you a word it, that like, you use like, to make like people feel good. It's like where they do love is love. It's like, what does that mean? Like, it's just, it, like, you just, you're like, come on. You just, it's just, it's, it's colloquialism i guess you could yeah say. it's not precise it's not good language i love the fact that these democrats who claim to not be oh we don't believe that religion should be in politics which is why they don't want um amy coney barrett being the next supreme court justice put on their front lawns we believe hello that is the definition of a creed literally the word creed comes from credo meaning think, i believe i don't think they know what that means and i don't think they've ever read one. Oh my gosh well some of these Democrats are Catholic, supposedly, unfortunately. Uh, they should know the creed. We pray it every Sunday, but that would mean you'd have to go you'd to Mass to be, every Sunday. Be, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I don't know okay. if that necessarily happened. Yeah. Um, as fellow travelers sharing the same flesh, this is where I object, sharing the same flesh as children of the same earth, which is our common home. That is a huge problem. Why The thing that unites human beings is very specifically not our bodies. It is our souls. It is the fact that we are made in the image and likeness of God and that we are children of God. 
that is what makes us brothers and sisters. Well, it, we have to be in Christ. There is no, you can't have unity. Like our bodies are designed to use up goods. So nothing that our bodies use are common goods. So common good by definition um, means that you it's a good that does not diminish when shared. So truth, common good, because if I know the truth and Drew knows the truth, it's not like I have less truth because I gave him some of my truth. Food, on the other hand, is not a common good because if I give Drew half my sandwich, I now have less. Now, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing for me to give him my sandwich, half my sandwich, but it does mean that it's not a common good in the sense that um, it, it's not, not a common both good. equally benefiting from it because right. you're losing something I'm losing, and me gaining something. Right. Now, charity. Now, if I am a practicing Catholic and I have graces abounding within me and I, out of love of God, give Drew half my sandwich, now I'm now again, it's holiness is a common good and that's what I'm growing in. Generosity is, you know, I suppose virtue in general is a common good. So that's the problem. If you take Christ out of the equation, you should not expect to get harmony among humanity because if it's everything is just on the level of our physical, by nature, we are at war because my, giving someone else the needs that my body needs all ultimately means that I have less of it. And so the only way you're going to get harmony in this fraternity he's talking about is about Jesus Christ, who was mentioned twice in this entire document. That is sick, 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 sick. Uh, each of us brings the richness of his or her beliefs and convictions. I am sorry. If you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you don't have a richness in your belief. <laughs> Jesus well, Christ I, is the way, the truth, the truth of the life. It's not his or her. It's, it, it's, it's, weird. it's a weird wording. It's just, there is no his or her. Like, it's not, that makes it sound like we can believe different things. Right. It's well, just, there's, there's, there's one thing. Like, 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 there's, there's one truth. Yes. That's it. Like there's you either no, agree no with God or you don't. It. Yeah, it's it's just it it seems mm. unnecessary. Yeah, and yeah, it's it doesn't it doesn't add anything if you disagree with God because God is reality. Um, which is funny that he's like denying reality and then later he's basically saying it's okay for people to deny the reality with a capital a R. Bit. God, as long as it's a little bit, it's yeah. fine. As long as yeah, as long as it's the spirituality thing. But it's basically, I feel like that's where he's saying is denying reality. He's basically saying my reality uh, up at the, in the end of paragraph seven. Um, each of us with his or her own voice, brothers and sisters all. Okay, so that's the end of the preface. This does not start out being a very promising document. Um, I don't know. This is exciting for me. I'm engaged. <laughs> I hate the fact I'm that so, yeah. in a world that is, so Politics has invaded absolutely everything except the political arena. The, our Congress people do not debate political topics. They're debating morality. They are. De we have politics in our sports. We have politics in our stores. We have politics in our church. Why in our church document? Why do they do this to us? This is not. This isn't cool. Um, I do. Okay. So in the last episode that we were doing, I was. We were talking about God. Uh, being pure actuality and i is it do we have time for me to uh we're actually close to the end of our hour, so we probably should save it for the next one okay i will we'll, we'll pop it in when to chapter one because it is an interesting thing about god that being that he's pure actuality so um for god to not you know to be able to exist anyway um without actually doing what it is that he is um 
it, it, I think it'll, I think it will be a very fundamental thing to know as we go through the rest of this document, um, which we'll do in our next episode. So join us next time as we jump into uh, the first chapter and the next points of Pope Francis in his document Fratelli Tutti. Thanks for listening.